Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission and it's going to equip you with all of the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author of The Science of Nutrition. Please go check out my new book. I think it will help a lot of people out there. And founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. Now, in each of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, which is wonderful. So together, we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. The research into the gut microbiome and its relationship with our health is a relatively new and yet-to-be-discovered area. From the evidence we have, just how much of our well-being relies on us having a healthy gut and optimal food choices? Well, those are the questions we need answering, and this week's Food for Thought sees Professor of Genetic Epidemiology and best-selling author Tim Spector and I delve deeper into the gut microbiome and how the food we eat interacts with our bodies. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello, thank you so much for coming back on Feed for Thought. You've been on before and um, I think the current climate and what we've been through in the last few years, it's such an appropriate discussion today because we know that 70% of our body's immune system is located in the gut. So would you say, obviously being your, your area here, is gut health the best answer to fighting disease? Uh, that's a tough question, but <laughs> a, a very simple answer is it's probably one of the the, uh, the key elements to fighting disease that we know of that you can do something about. So I think for for the sake of what you can do about it, it definitely is the uh, single most important thing. Yeah, and, and that's so true because obviously that was a very... Um, brash statement that, that I just made and you must um, come across this sort of thing all the time you write about it in your books and of course you spent a lot a lot of time in the pandemic looking further and further into your research to hopefully help us so let's start first of all by explaining to everybody what, what do we even mean by gut microbiome because I think it's become increasingly I don't know if popular is the right word but I guess more understood or talked about maybe yeah yeah i think people have heard the word now whereas five years ago they hadn't mm. and so people know about it and they know it's more than just yogurt which i think is you know what people used to think just you know okay there's micro microbes in yogurt that's what it is but it's much more than that it's it's this whole community of other uh, microscopic bugs that live inside us that work with us to basically keep us healthy and i think 
it's the other way of seeing it now is seeing it like an accessory organ in our bodies, like we found a second liver, because this community of trillions of these microscopic bugs, which are bacteria, they're fungus, they're parasites, all living together, they're like chemical factories and mm. they're converting food that we give them into other chemicals and those chemicals are helping uh, keep our immune system going and keeping our uh, metabolism going, our brain in the right direction and, and fighting all kinds of diseases. So I think that's a new way of looking at it. Uh, but the word itself, microbiome, is exactly the same. But we're learning more about it every day. Yeah, no, it's something I know that you write about um, very successfully. I think a lot of people have definitely taken an interest here. So if you were to pinpoint some key areas that you are able to definitively say the gut microbiome plays a role in our health, what would those be? I think the number one thing would be the immune system. Um, so certainly when we did research, just throwing, uh, measuring thousands of twins that we have, and we looked at all their diseases that people report over the last 20 years with their gut microbes, the sort of associations that came up most were things like uh, food allergies and um, autoimmune diseases. Mm. And I think they were the, the top one followed by obesity and diabetes. So I think it's, you know, it, it's not all of one and on the other, but definitely the immune system is absolutely crucial to uh, to our health. For You know, when we think of it, it's not just allergies, but the immune system is also crucial for fighting cancer, yeah. for anti-aging, for fighting infections like COVID. And we know that from our own studies we did with the Zoe app, you know, that, that food quality is important, implying that the gut microbiome is also key to that as well so i think it's starting to creep into every area of medicine and we're only just beginning to work out the mechanisms of how it how it does this because it's as always science is always much more complex than we think uh at the moment we've got to real you know build build that into our expectations it does feel like we're in a new age or you know you must feel like you're on the verge of this incredibly exciting area and research coming to light and i think for a lot of people listening they're going to probably be thinking all right so how do i get more is it good bacteria i'm just dumbing it down there but how do i get more good versus i guess bad bacteria yeah so our idea of what a good and bad gut health is is has has been slowly evolving and for many years, it's the simplistic way of looking at it has been gut diversity, the number of different species we have in our microbe, in our guts. And we know that, you know, hunter-gatherer tribes are the healthiest because they've got double the number of species that we do. And that's what we've been aspiring to. But recently, uh, we're now looking at the ratio of, of good to bad bugs. And with the Zoe team, uh, on the PREDICT studies, many people know about, we looked at a thousand people in great detail and linked the foods that they're eating to the microbes inside them and the various disease outcomes uh, that, that they were linked to. And from that, we came across 30 gut microbes that were either good or bad in the vast majority of people. There are lots of other microbes that only a few of us have, they're rather personalised, but mm. these are the common ones. 
And so from that, we've got this new concept really of this balance of the good and the bad. And we know that there are certain foods that are associated with uh, good bacteria and other foods are associated with bad bacteria. So the idea is to uh, provide people with personalized advice that uh, pushes that balance in the right direction. And everyone's starting from a different starting point, if you like. So mm. it's often easier to improve someone with a, uh, a very bad diet than it is someone who's quite good anyway. Um, and we're finding it's quite personalized, the advice that we give. And so far, it's been slightly easier to quickly get rid of the bad bacteria than build up the good bacteria. It's taking longer. So we're, we're just starting to get good evidence on this because it, it takes several years until you've got enough people that have, yeah. you've studied over time to do this. But it seems to be this, this balance between suppressing the bad ones, which are obviously often pro-inflammatory, and also trying to get the number of good ones up, which is what, what you need to prevent diseases, etc. And so it's this trying to find this balance is what we need to be doing in the future, but very early days. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, there'll be, again, just putting my head in the listener right now. They may be thinking, well, these tribes in other countries, or perhaps they've been raised on a very different diet, had a very different experience, probably, I mean, I'm assuming perhaps less hospital interventions with birth and all these different sorts of factors. So perhaps this is a good opportunity for you to delve into some of the results from the twin studies that you do to explain how much of an influence that we can have potentially in the environment because a lot of people say oh I didn't have a great start you know how can I does it really matter can I actually make a difference now at this point in time or should I have done it when I was two three years old yeah no great question I'm most of my scientific career has been looking at twins and generally we find these big similarities between identical twins that are more than uh, looking at fraternal twins, and that's how we know things are genetic. And obviously, if they're genetic, there's not much you can do about it. You can blame your parents, but you're limited in what you can do. Mm. And also in twin studies, you can see about early environment, and that's the time that twins spend together uh, in that family environment, which might be going to the same school or uh, having the same mother or being in the same neighbourhood. And it turns out from our studies that when we looked at twins, uh, genetics formed a very small part of our gut health and our gut microbiome, really tiny. It was something around less than 10%, which was one of the lowest figures I've ever come across. Yeah. And the, uh, there was some effect of family environment, what you shared in the family, but most of it, most of it was what we call specific environment, which are things that you can actually, all of us can change. And they were either you know, due to random error or um, our eating habits or our lifestyle habits as adults. And I think that's really important and it is really encouraging for many people. So the fact that you might have you know, had a, a relatively deprived childhood food-wise or you know, lived through eras when... Uh, you know, your parents thought canned food was great or, uh, you know, TV dinners were the, the thing to have. It doesn't, doesn't mean it's not too late to change 
and modify your your gut microbes uh, decades later. So it's a very different story to one I'm normally telling uh, based on twin research. And I think that's really encouraging. And that's why all of us can improve our gut microbes, whatever uh, start we had in life. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that because I'm so passionate about getting recipe inspiration out there to people and trying to just encourage, you know, some mixing it up a little bit, I think, and doing doing what we can. But uh, the burning question that I really wanted to ask you about on this podcast, Tim, because I know we've done a previous episode together, but I really think that the last few years have been, I guess, instrumental in terms of a new area with, with the development of a pandemic and the Zoe app, which you touched on briefly at the start. But perhaps for any listeners that I mean, they should know of it. I hope you do, everyone listening. You know about the Zoe app. What is it, Tim? And what is the data currently showing us? Do you think this is going to have a huge impact in our healthcare system? I do, but I think it's quite interesting for people to hear the, the sort of history of the Zoe app because it all started from the company that I'm, I co-founded, uh, Zoe, which is really Zoe Nutrition, mm-hmm. which was which has been designing an app for, to help people's personalized nutrition. And is this, uh, this has been rolled out now in the US and people can get a kit that measures their blood sugar levels, their fat levels after eating, and their gut microbiome. And you put it all together after testing for a couple of weeks and you really get a very personalized idea of what your metabolism is doing, whether you're a high fat metabolizer or a high carb metabolizer and how your microbes fit into that pattern and giving people scores back on their phones for good and bad foods and good and bad microbes. So we were, you know, carrying on uh, with a great plan. And then March 2020, everything shut down Mm. and uh, all our studies on the twins and uh, Kings stopped. So we decided to then move on and um, do convert that app to a COVID app where we just ask people their symptoms and record on a a daily app how they were feeling, did they have symptoms of COVID, had they been tested, and then, you know, had they had vaccines, etc. And it amazingly took off more than we ever dreamt. And so within 24 hours, we had a million people Mm. uh, signed up through social media, no publicity really at all, just people wanted this to happen and then it went we got up to you know uh, nearly 5 million people uh, giving us their data and there's still a million people doing this daily 2 years later so it's been an incredible uh, experience and i now do you know a weekly video to a third of a million people telling them what's going on in this in a totally new way of doing science so the public basically give us the data where they live but we in real time give them the results back in a, in a really a two-way relationship, which is very alien to the way uh, medical research is being done. So it's very much a partnership. And I think we're, we're hoping to expand it to all uh, health outcomes. So using it you know, for cancer, heart disease, gut health, dementia, all kinds of things, because we think this is just too good to, mm. to not carry on with. So that's been a, an amazing journey I, I didn't expect to be doing it two years later um, <laughs> given that given I still have a day job but uh, uh, there we are it's been been and I think it's going to change the way not only do we do science but I think 
it could also change, you know, the NHS and our attitude to, you know, could we cut out GPs with this this plan? Uh, you know, could we use it as a, a virtual tutor for all kinds of health issues, not just nutrition? Yeah. Oh, it's it's just wonderful to hear the story. And I remember in March getting your email about it and sharing it on social media because I was about to give birth to my, my son in April and. I've watched it grow and it's just been incredible. And I think this is the future and it, it is, I mean, I know nothing about apps. I've got to say to him in terms of what it takes, but there's a lot of work I know behind it. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world, I'm sure. Um, but you've done incredibly well with it. So let's talk about the, the Zoe COVID study then. So in terms of our gut microbiome, what do we know about the influence COVID has on it because there's all sorts of symptoms you know long COVID and then there's the taste and I think one of the biggest fears for me as a parent now is I didn't want my little boy to get it because I didn't want it to throw off his weaning journey or and obviously concerned about his overall health but you don't know how long these things can go on for so yeah I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts on the gut microbiome and and COVID. Well we only have patchy knowledge so far because there haven't been huge number of studies on collecting microbe samples from poo you know from poo and looking at it what we do know is that people who are when their people are ill with it their microbes are very depleted and pro-inflammatory so something changes in those people so that everyone who gets admitted to hospital has very poor gut health and what we don't know is how much of that has changed from their previously to when they get infected and the immune system gets messed up. So, so clearly it's got something to do with the severity of it, but whether it predisposes or not, we don't yet know. So, and they've done uh, some studies of long COVID, very small ones suggesting that, again, uh, loss of diversity in, in those cases, but we still need bigger numbers. But I think the best evidence that really there's a link uh, with gut health actually comes from our own study on the Zoe COVID app where we did the world's largest diet survey. So as you can in an app, you just tell people, uh, please fill in this food frequency questionnaire. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes and we get people's diet histories over the previous year. And over a million people did this amazingly. This would cost five million pounds and take five years normally, mm. right? So <laughs> this is not, and we did it in a week. Amazing. Uh, just giving you an idea and for virtually for free. Um, and what this told us was that people who had uh, poor quality diets, regardless of calories, regardless of their deprivation, regardless of their level of obesity, had much more severe COVID outbreaks outcomes than people who had high quality diets, much more likely to go to hospital, much more likely to go to ITU, much more likely to have long term symptoms. So the only reason I can think that would work is by affecting the gut microbes and their immune system. And that really, for me, is perhaps the, uh, the, the real take home message from the COVID pandemic is how important real food and, and diet quality is mm. uh, and in areas we hadn't even thought of as being important before you know it's not just about obesity or diabetes but 
you know, affecting our immune system and uh, uh, fighting infection. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember all the, the pseudoscience at the beginning because people were guessing, weren't they? I'll take a load of vitamin C or vitamin D and supplements were circulating and all sorts of things were coming out. But at the end of the day, it, it is the food we eat every day that can have such an amazing impact, um, as, as you've quite rightly said. And you also launched the the blue poop challenge have i said it right because i saw it and i thought oh what is this um what is it tim and can everybody take part yeah it's uh, blue poop in in america and canada and poo in uh the rest of uh, the english speaking right. world I think. <laughs> um we're talking about the same thing so basically this is a a cheap fun way of assessing your gut health and absolutely everyone can take part from you know, zero to 100 years old. And it came about as really a, a byproduct of the Zoe Predict studies where as part of the thorough investigation on twins, we gave them all a blue dyed uh, muffin and asked them to record when they ate it and when it came out in the toilet. And this because it, it the color was so strong, you could always see it going through and that time point turned out to correlate really well with everything about uh, gut health so it was a good correlation with the diversity of the microbes and the balance of good and bad microbes and we found that um, this was you know a pretty good way of estimating people who had no no idea whether they were uh, normal or not uh, their, their gut health. And it turned out the average was about 28 hours, mm -hmm. which uh, isn't that good, actually, but that, that wasn't. But uh, we found a big range across the world and we extended this by a, a social media campaign. We've now got about 35, 50,000 people have done it. And it, it does vary from being quite long in the UK and the US to quite short in Asia and India. Um, and... Uh, we think the sweet spot is somewhere between, I don't know, 12 and 24 hours. Mm. We're not quite sure where that is, but it's a good fun way. And we don't know, we don't really know what kids uh, who have smaller intestines, what, what's normal for them. But I think it it's really good because it makes people think about something that in the English speaking world is not commonly discussed. You know, mm. how often you go to the toilet. Mm. And it this turns out to be better than... The previous test done, which was called the Bristol Stool Chart. I don't know if you yes. remember this one, Reid. So yeah. everyone everyone did this at sort of university and school, you know, <laughs> or, or even in biology, I think. Mm. And basically there was a, a wall chart of different strange looking poos um, from, you know, rock hard rabbit droppings to uh, a sort of cow pat and uh, had to grade them in between. But our, our, this test of transit time is works better than that one in terms of predicting gut health. So it's, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a uh, free and fun thing. Everyone can get the food dye themselves. They can add it to pancakes or muffins or any, any sort of thing to bake that's fairly straightforward. Test the whole family. And there's a, a website. You just got to look up Blue Poop Challenge and you get all the, the recipes and uh, where to get the food dye, etc. And then you can... <laughs> Put your results back into the program and um, and see. Uh, we match you up with a, a virtual twin, 
to see uh, that we did measure their microbes on using full sequencing to say well, this is roughly where you would be compared to this person. So it's a bit of fun, but I think it introduces a lot of people to gut health who hadn't really thought about it. I love that. A good bit of fun. And yeah, it's it's so interesting because you're right. I feel as adults, we just lose this um, yeah, self-check-in kind of concept. I mean, we lose it in all areas really with, with nature and how much we get out, how much we check our bowel movements, all that sort of thing. But, you know, I know as a parent at the moment, I'm checking nappies all the time. So it's amazing how we don't look after ourselves, but I'm, you know, I'm constantly... Once we get out of nappies, we don't do it. That's no. right. But it's cultural. It's very cultural, you know. Yeah. I worked in France and Belgium as a doctor for a while and uh, patients were completely different. They're always coming to me uh, telling me all about their their stools that morning and what they look like and you know sometimes they bring in samples you really didn't want to see them all but they were very enthusiastic mm -hmm. in a way that the Anglo-Saxon world really is not mm. so I think there's a there's a big cultural difference in the way people talk about their bowels you know perhaps mm -hmm. it was the Victorian era we were told not to talk about it yeah but we need to start mentioning it again it's not nothing bad and it it's important for all of us yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Well, it's a good, fun way, the Blue Poop Challenge, to getting everybody um, involved, really. And a lot of questions that we are often asked on the Retrition pages is about the different responses that you can have as an individual. Because I'm always trying to tell all of my clients, you are unique, you are unique. And I remember a talk you gave, I, I think it was at the Royal Society of Medicine. I can't remember where we were, Tim, but I was, I was listening to something and I remember you speaking about your wife and you measured her blood sugar response to grapes. I think it was grapes and you both tested this. I could have got this, please don't um, be offended that I missed. I'm pretty sure you said grapes, but does it go to show that we all have different responses to food and we really are so unique so we kind of need to ignore this blanket one-size-fits-all approach because you've looked at this in depth ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Oh, yes. I mean, definitely, you know, my book, both my books, Diet Myth and Spoon Fed, 
you know, go to this this key that one size does not fit all, that we're all totally unique and we have a, a unique metabolism and a unique gut uh, gut microbiome. And, you know, it's very easy to test you. And we did this, uh, you know, I've done it myself, comparing myself with my wife. Um, we had continuous glucose monitors on because this is what the Zoe study has. And we had, some, you know, we were just testing the product. And eating, you know, first we, we did grapes. For me, they're, you know, they're deadly. I used to love them, um, but <laughs> they send my sugar in the diabetic range. Then we did another test where we had a sort of typical American breakfast, which would have been a bagel and cream cheese and a glass of orange juice. And again, um, my wife's sugar went up to maximum 6.4 or something, from, you know, from 4.5 to 6.4. Mine went up from 5 to 11. Oh, wow. And, and then right down again. So I on the same food, I'm getting these huge sugar spikes that she's not, which means that over the space of months or a year, I'm getting much more inflammation. My metabolism is upset. And this is probably making me hungrier. And this chronic inflammation is causing stress to my body. So uh, part of that is due to different microbes. Part of it is just some uh, inherent difference we're not sure about but it what it tells you is that you know just telling us both to eat the same type of healthy meal isn't going to work because what's good for one person is not good for another and we all know that with keto diets and um, you know uh, and uh, other high carb diets low fat diets suit some people not others and we've just got to stop making you know nutritionally so binary yeah um we've just got to realize that it, it it's all about experimenting and working this out and luckily the technology is getting there that we can we get help with this but um you know i don't think that concept was really around uh, mm. just a few years ago oh 100 percent. you know with, with calories and i think essentially um food isn't just food sometimes so there's also a difference isn't there between consuming of course ultra processed foods uh, versus foods you've cooked from scratch at home and the impact that those same types of food can have isn't there on the body like you've just said with the responses it's it's such a um strange world we live in if i look at it in um a bit more depth with a kind of philosophical hat on I think wow we really have lost touch with where our food comes from and what we're eating haven't we yes absolutely I think uh, but that you know this is this is where we've been mis misled really and I think this is what I touch on in spoon fed is how the food companies have allowed us to drift down this path thinking that all that mattered was that percentage of fat and the calories in a food and not all the other ingredients all the poor quality things that many people you know particularly in the UK eat all the time without thinking because they're only looking at the calories and the fat content mm. or the sugar mm. and then and all this recent research very recent because it, you know it's really it's not like it's been banned but it's been very hard to get any funding to do it is now showing that you give two identical meals, one ultra processed, one regular food. It's going to have a very same calories. It's going to have a very different effect on the body. And that is starting to explain 
why we've got so much problem, why just you know counting calories is doomed to fail, yeah. and why we need to shift this whole idea away from calories and fat and start getting everyone interested in food quality and what good food looks like and, and what it means to us. Yeah, thank you. No, and, and your Sunday Times bestselling book, Spoonfed, it's incredible. I've got both of your books, actually. I mean, I had the first one, I think, when I was at uni. Um, but it's amazing that we're trying to get this message out there and it's being heard a bit more, which is positive. Now, I have got so many more questions, but I think I'm going to take some from our listeners, um, Tim, as well, because they've sent quite a few in here. And I know this is one you like to speak about. I've seen you speaking about this recently. Um, Taylor has said, should we be reducing our sugar intake? What is your opinion on artificial sweeteners? So, uh, good question. I think, on average, the British have too much sugar, free sugar, but I think a lot of that is is part of ultra-processed foods and snacks. And so, um, I think only talking about added sugar or sort of sugars added to um, manufactured products. Um, Converting them all to artificial sweeteners, I don't think is a is a panacea. It's better for the dentist, yeah. certainly. Um, there's no doubt that the, the sugar has that particular effect, which artificial sweeteners don't. So dentists would definitely approve. But it doesn't help, for example, switching if you have a, a two cans of Coke habit to two cans of Diet Coke. There's no evidence you're going to lose weight or be any healthier other than for your teeth. And the reason is it's we think there are other metabolic problems with artificial sweeteners affecting your gut microbes. Mm. We don't know all the details and uh, each artificial sweetener is slightly different in the way it's absorbed and the way it interacts with our gut microbes. But it's it's a real alien chemical for our gut microbes. They don't know how to react to it. They can't break it down. Most of these sweeteners came from the petrol industry or some other uh, rare branch, not from foods themselves with with a few exceptions like stevia, but most of them really uh, are to be avoided. So I think also in kids, they give, uh, they increase the threshold of sweetness. So if you're just giving kids artificial sweeteners all the time, they'll want more and more sweetness Mm. and they won't be able to get that range of bitter, sour, interesting flavors uh, later in life. So I think there's many reasons to avoid artificial sweeteners and start having more water, more tea, uh, you know, more kombucha, uh, yeah. you know, these kind, these kind of really good health drinks that we do know about. Wow, no, interesting point about children there as well. I'm sure that's something that we're going to see a lot more of in coming years as well with the generation and the food availability we have at the moment. Um, Lauren has asked, and this you must get again a lot, Tim. She said, I'm on antibiotics. Is this going to really impact my gut and should I be taking probiotics? Great question. Uh, everyone reacts differently to antibiotics. You might be lucky and one of the one in three people that once you've stopped taking them, uh, your gut gets back to normal very quickly. Uh, that's a third. The other third, it might take uh, a couple of months to get back. And the other third, it can take uh, six months or a year or longer. And we don't know which group we're all in at the moment. 
And it partly depends on the antibiotic and how it reacts to our particular problems. Mm. So assume that you really want to be on them for as little time as possible. Uh, evidence does suggest that in, in kids, antibiotics uh, do increase weight and increase risk of allergies. Mm -hmm. And uh, in adults, uh, obviously, overuse causes all kinds of other problems. So the idea is that antibiotics were a, a really safe uh you know, backup plan just in mm -hmm. case anything happens, I think is long gone. So they do save lives. So I'm not saying don't take them, uh, but take them when you really need them yeah. and take them for as short as time as possible. And most people believe that probiotics are helpful, but I generally prefer people to have uh, fermented foods instead. Okay. So um, kefirs, kombuchas, uh, your kimchi, you know, really mm -hmm. up your your all the gut friendly foods make a big effort while you're on antibiotics yeah no that's really really good advice tim thank you um amy has said there's a really popular probiotic drink that lots of celebs are taking is this real or is it just good marketing um it's bound to be good marketing if celebs are taking it <laughs> so yeah. by definition that is you know that's where you got you know that's that's what happened to coconut um water yes water and, yeah or, or you know and uh vitamin infusions and you yeah. know if it's if it's just celebrities it's just someone throwing a lot of money at it and uh it being really expensive generally there's no science behind it and we the thing about probiotics is we, we know they work, but we don't know for most conditions which ones work and which ones don't. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to respond differently because we all have different microbes. So unfortunately, uh, you know, I can't recommend one above another, but there's generally more different microbes in real f in fermented foods than there are in probiotic supplements. Brilliant. So wherever you can go for food first. Yeah, love that. Um, and the last question we've got is from Amelia. And Amelia has says, what does stress do to our gut health and our digestion? I swear it makes my skin worse. Stress has uh, been shown in mice to definitely have a, a big effect on our gut microbes. And the reverse is if you've got poor gut health, you're more likely to get stressed and anxious and, and depressed. And so absolutely, there's a clear connection between the brain and the gut. And there's some data now that if you've got mild depression, uh, changing your diet to a Mediterranean diet is as effective as an antidepressant. So there's a huge link between our gut health and our mental health. Yeah. And we're only just discovering uh, how to uh, deal with it. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Tim. We're now moving on to our fact or fiction round. Um, are you ready for this? <laughs> Finger on the buzzers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Okay, number one. Chewing gum can stay in the intestines for seven years if swallowed. No idea. <laughs> I do know. I don't know where I got that one from. <laughs> um, oh, that's my school, my school teacher used to tell me that. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably false. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being told that as well. Um, number two, 30 grams of fibre a day will contribute to good gut health. Yes, but it's not an absolute figure. The more you have, probably the better. Brilliant. Number three, probiotics are the best thing to take for improving gut health. False. 
good food is always better than probiotics. Brilliant. Removing food groups will make you crave them more and lead to binging. Uh, probably true. I don't believe in removing any food groups, if you can help it. Brilliant. Cutting certain foods from your diet will benefit your gut microbiome. Unlikely, so false. Your gut well, unless it's Well, unless it's ultra-processed food. Yes, yes, then, exactly. then yes. Your gut microbiome makes up two kilograms of our total body weight. Um, that's the upper estimate. It's between one and two kilograms. Fermented food should be included in every meal. False, but at least once a day. Sugar will lead to weight gain more so than fat. False. Depend, totally depends on the context. Yes, exactly. The production of serotonin can be affected by poor gut health. True. And so microbes make serotonin. Yeah, exactly. Gluten is bad for your gut. False. Brilliant. Apart, unless you're the one percent who uh, have celiac disease, or uh, maybe a half a percent on top of that who have uh, real gluten intolerance. Yeah, Most people don't have any gluten problems. Yeah, I should have gone into that more. Tim, that was a brilliant fact or fiction round. And to everyone listening, Tim isn't 100% today, but still, you know, bravely taking part in our fact or fiction round and our podcast today. <laughs> um, that does nearly wrap up today's episode, but we do finish with a food for thought. And I think I'll start by saying... Obviously, a huge thank you to Tim for give, giving up his time. But as we've discussed, you know, we could all be eating the healthiest diet in the world. But if our gut's not happy and things aren't working in the way they should be, you know, it's not going to be having the maximum input. And we've discussed here a lot about eating foods from scratch and perhaps reducing the amount of ultra processed foods and of course you know this depends on your lifestyle your income there's lots of factors here around but there's so many people out there now that are trying to help you make those changes you should definitely check out tim's books and um, maybe give the poop study a go the blue poop you know something for a bit of fun just to learn a bit more about your body because we are completely unique and that's been so evident that's the real take home i've got from this episode and what an amazing area this is but tim if, if you could leave our listeners with a go-to food for thought a take-home message what would that be well um you are unique this is because you've got microbes are unique you have a unique response to food get out there and experiment um but while you're experimenting, make sure you're, you're feeding your gut microbes properly, getting a diverse 30 plants a week, getting regular fermented foods and reducing your ultra processed foods and snacking. And that way, uh, you know, you'll, you'll find out what, what works for you. Oh, Tim, thank you so much. Wonderful take home message. Um, briefly discussing your years and years of expertise with us on the podcast. Where can our listeners go to find out more? Uh, well, you mentioned the, the two books, um, Spoon Fed and, and Diet Myth, which are on the usual in all the usual places. The if they go to joinzoe.com, they will find out about the Blue Poop Challenge or uh getting personalized nutrition kits, depending on where they live, uh, which will be coming coming soon to uh, most places. 
and I think um, follow me on Instagram or Twitter and uh, you'll be able to keep up with with me yeah brilliant Tim it's been an absolute pleasure as always thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought it's been my pleasure If you've all enjoyed Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up. We've got so many amazing episodes. So if you're not already, make sure you subscribe because that way it will just pop up and tell you it's ready for you to listen to every single Monday. And it would be brilliant if you have time to leave a review. I know now and understand that these reviews of how you feel the podcast goes or if you learn anything from it can help other people reach it and hopefully they'll be able to take a lot away from it too. So for more information about my best-selling book, The Science of Nutrition, please do let me know if you've got your copy. The Retrition Clinic, if you want to book in and get some advice, healthy recipes, and so much more, please go and visit retrition.com. And you can follow me at Retrition on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.